Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. Hope you are getting the year off to a good start. And even if you're not, the first couple weeks of the year have very little to do with where you are right now or the rest of the year. So stay in the present and keep going. I actually have a brief thing to mention about goals in this episode and maybe even more in future episodes. But today we're going to be working through reducing that mental chatter and helping you stop the mental spiral that I think we're all pretty familiar with. But before we get into it, just a reminder about the mental game assessment. You've probably heard me talk about this before. It's been a minute. Uh, But if you're interested in knowing your mental strengths and areas of improvement, you can take this 15-minute assessment and I'll send you a personalized report with your results. It'll come from the email address foundationsgolf at gmail.com. So check your spam folder. If you haven't received yours yet, it's either there or I maybe haven't gotten to it yet, but I will, I promise. Okay, let's get into it. Do you ever feel like mental chatter gets louder and louder the more pressure you're under? Maybe as the bogeys start to add up, the voices in your head get noisier and noisier. Or the further you go in a good round, maybe the the negative thoughts start to get louder and louder and and the the chatter in your head gets just ramps up and gets more and more throughout the round. Understandably so, because there seems to be more to think about. I started so good, what if I blow it? I'm really ruining this good start. Yet another good round gone to waste. What can I do to get off the bogey train? I just need to make a few pars to get back on track. If I can just finish the round before anything worse happens, it'll be okay. And on and on we go with the mental chatter. You might think just one of these things, or maybe at some point you think a combo of all of these things. The mind starts spiraling and spiraling, and it seems like there's no way to stop it. So, what do we try to do? We try to stop it. We try to control what we're thinking and suppress our thoughts and feelings and tell ourselves positive self-talk and just trust your process and just go through your routine and just visualize the ball going where you want. See if this example sounds familiar to you. You just had your third bogey in a row and you know that you need to refocus on the present to hit the next shot to the best of your ability. You know that. You know that's what you got to do now. But you become impatient and anxious that your round is going south and you begin to believe that you can't do it. You then contemplate what you would do if you really screwed this round up and continue to blow your good start, which that contemplation results in sadness and even more anxiety. So you fuse with yourself and future-focused thought process, believing that thoughts of inability actually equal inability. And you choose to suppress your negative thoughts and emotions and try to be fakely positive. This choice to suppress your negative thoughts and emotions serves the immediate purpose of reducing the troubling internal processes and anxiety. And the avoidant behavior is negatively reinforced. It feels good in the moment to ignore bad feelings, to suppress negative thoughts. That feels good. So it's negatively reinforced. However, this behavioral choice, this suppression of negative thoughts, it does nothing to actually improve your game during the round, 
which requires consistent, committed action, regardless of uncomfortable internal experiences. So does this work, this suppression of negative thoughts? Maybe sometimes. Controlling your thoughts or making yourself relax feels nice in the moment, and it probably temporarily relieves the bad feelings you're experiencing right now, but as our experience tells us, it doesn't last. We just wind up in the same place again, and maybe even worse off than before. So, why do we always try it? There are many reasons why we try to control our thinking, but I just want to touch on a few today. One is that it seems like it should work. If your baby stroller is rolling away, you stop it from rolling. You get it under control. We just had a baby a, a handful of months ago, so that's that one's present on my mind. The stroller starts rolling away, which... Don't get me wrong, the stroller never actually gets out of our control, but if the stroller were to start rolling away, I would stop it from rolling. I would get it under control. Or another example, if you're eating too much chocolate, you stop eating it. You get your eating under control. Or at least that would be the wise decision. I wouldn't know anything about that. I um, I never stop eating chocolate. Or even closer to home on the golf uh, uh, topic, when your swing is too much of one way, You get control of your swing, and you make it be another way. When we determine that things are out of control, we enact control over them. It's very natural. That's just what we do when we see things, see a difference between where we are and where we want to be or uh, where we are and where we don't want to be. We, We keep that gap bigger or we keep that gap smaller. We, We do things to make changes. So why wouldn't it work with our internal processes, like our thoughts, nerves, feelings of pressure, panicking, etc.? So let's play this out. Let's, let's play it out what actually happens when you try to suppress your thinking, tr- when you try to get control over your thinking. Let's say you have that thought. The uh, you have three bogeys in a row, and the negative thoughts start coming in, and you you try to get control of your thinking. You try to suppress the negative thoughts or you try to replace it with positive thoughts or you try to say, just trust your process or you or you try to distract yourself with your routine or visualizing. As a response to those unwanted thoughts, what you've done now is you've started to give yourself more thoughts to think about, not less. You had those panicky thoughts and emotions or those negative feelings or the, or the, the worries about how this round is going. But now, that at first that's all you had, but now you have self-judging thoughts and you have instructions to yourself on why those thoughts are bad and also how to get rid of those thoughts. So what was just one layer of mental chatter, the negative thoughts, uh, native reaction to making a few bogeys in a row, what was just that one layer has now become two and maybe three or four layers of thinking. Before you know it, you're in a full-blown mental spiral with no end in sight. Does that sound familiar to you? I know I've experienced it. So another reason why we try to control our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings is because we've almost always been told that it works. For decades of coaching books and articles, the stock advice for when you're thinking too much is to try to think less, to quiet your mind. Or when you're distracted, to force yourself to focus by going through your routine and visualizing. Or if you get angry after a shot, to make yourself be calm. 
because good players are calm and composed. So I'm going to make myself calm down or I'm going to try to breathe to calm myself down. But this is mostly just advice from the position of because we've always done it this way. In reading a text recently uh, titled The Psychology of Enhancing Human Performance, it's it's pretty boring, but I think it's fascinating uh, on this topic of golf psychology especially. They give a good analogy of what this, because we've always done it this way, is like. It's just like how a century ago, the state-of-the-art medical advice for when someone had a medical ailment was to do a process called bloodletting where they would just remove a large amount of your blood from your body to try to heal you. This, of course, is not the way they do things now, because the science has come a long way. So saying, because we've always done it this way, is not a good enough reason. With psychology, the science has also come a very long way. The authors of the Psychology of Enhancing Human Performance, they reviewed all of the research articles where controlling your thoughts was the main objective. So experimenters in all these different studies, they attempted um, to ask performers or athletes to control their own thinking. And the authors of this book that I read, they reviewed all of those experiments. And what they discovered was that there is almost no scientific evidence that controlling your thinking works to improve your sport performance. And because I want to help equip you with all the tools to be a more mentally strong golfer, I want to give you some things to look out for as you're reading some uh, maybe popular mental game books or popular books. So some other types of traditional psychology advice that also falls into this bucket is goal setting and goal setting as a form of motivation. Another one is imagery or visualizing a shot before you hit it. Arousal control, which is just a fancy way of saying trying to make yourself relax. Self-talk modification, aka what you tell yourself equals what will happen. And pre-competitive routines, which is psychology terminology for a pre-shot routine where you feel like you have to have a perfectly consistent and identical routine in order to hit good shots. Each one of these, as myths to debunk, can and should and probably will get their own future episode uh, because I know that I have, you know, shelled out these, this advice. um, And, and I'm always trying to learn. So when I give myself into an open-minded thought process, I, I realize there's, there's very little science to back up those things. That's just what we've always thought worked. And, and maybe it was state-of-the-art science at some point, and this is all we know, so this is what you should try. But the science has been updated, and there's not much uh, science to back these up. So we need to keep an open mind, and listeners like you have an open mind. So um, I applaud you for that. So be on the lookout for those kind of things, and we'll get into those in the future um, and kind of debunk those myths. Maybe a myth debunking episode or series of episodes would be helpful. Um, but yeah, for today, we're focusing on thought control. So maybe a combo of arousal control and self-talk some, somewhere in there. Um, so let's keep going on our reasons why we try to control our thinking. A final reason Why we tend to try to control our thinking is because thinking less is actually what improves performance. 
Studies have shown that athletes who are focused less on their own thinking and more on the target perform better. But if trying to control your thinking and trying to think less just adds more and more layers of thinking on top of your thinking, which cranks up the volume of mental chatter rather than down and therefore makes you perform worse, what should we do instead? The scientific evidence shows that acceptance of thoughts reduces thinking and focuses us on the present effectively, which is how athletes perform their best. So it's acceptance. So acceptance of your thoughts. What does that even mean? This means that when you have a thought, you notice it, but you don't make a judgment about it. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions you have, they aren't good, bad, right, wrong, helpful, or unhelpful. They're just thoughts, feelings, and emotions. They're just words passing through your head. As uh, another example that we've heard on this podcast before is they're just like sights, smells, touches, tastes, um, sounds. They're, they're just another form of your senses. Um, I've heard uh, thoughts referred to as a sixth sense, not like the movie. But when you have a thought, it's just another sense. It's just another thing that comes and goes. They don't equal necessarily equal reality. So acceptance means you bring a non-judging, non-evaluative attention to your present realities. So when you have a thought like, I'm really ruining this good start, you recognize that thought as just a sentence in your mind. Your brain is capable of coming up with all kinds of things, and this is just another one. Just like if you're sitting in your office chair and all of a sudden you think, what's for dinner tonight? That doesn't mean that you're at dinner tonight. That's just a thought that's popping in your head. Now, you can choose to go with it, or you can choose to realize, I that is not my present right now. Where I'm sitting is where I'm present, is in the present. So instead of saying, you know what, brain, you're probably right. I probably have ruined this good start. You say, okay, that's just a thought that has no bearing on my present reality. Nothing I'm doing right now has anything to do with how I started and vice versa. So now, what do I need to do right now to get this ball to my target? So that's that's noticing a thought that you have, letting it go without judgment. You're not you're not latching on to that thought. You're not fusing with that thought. You're not identifying with that thought. And then you return back to the present. So acceptance of the thoughts you have is the way to let thoughts go, not trying to force them out, trying to distract yourself, trying to replace them with something else like a routine or visualization or breathing. Acceptance of the thoughts that you have without judgment is the way to let them go and then return to the present. Try this the next time you play, not as some magic pill to make you shoot lower scores immediately, but as a better way, a scientifically proven way, not just a Josh spouting things way, which is maybe how I would have used to have done it, a scientifically proven way to relate to your own thinking. Instead of trying the same old advice you've heard in the same old mental game books, take it from researchers in psychology, not me, researchers in psychology that know a lot more about this than I do, that do this as, you know, research 
people's brains as their job and get paid to do that and and have done it for decades take it from those researchers that acceptance of thoughts is better than trying to control your thoughts Okay, if you have any questions about what you heard or you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest, shoot an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com. And if you're a competitive golfer and you feel like you're not getting what you can out of your game and you tend to have this strong mental chatter, this this noise, this ramp up of, of negative thoughts when things are going really well or things start to go south, maybe it's your psychology is holding you back. And I'm a golf psychology coach, and I work with players all over the world, and I spend almost all of my other time uh, reading about this kind of research, so it's what I do. If you'd like more info or to see what coaching entails, head to foundationsmp.com. Again, that's my website, foundationsmp.com. That stands for Foundations Mental Performance. Uh, in case you're wondering, that's my business. Or you can send me an email at foundationsgolf at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I'll catch you guys next time.